You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. very well the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night while people are saying peace and safety destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman and they will not escape but you brothers you sisters you're not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief you're all sons of the light sons of the day we don't belong to the night or to the darkness so then let us not be like others who are asleep but let us be alert The book of Revelation isn't the easiest to study or to understand, but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't continue to learn from it. Pastor Danny will talk with you today about the importance of knowing what's coming. You must be prepared, and you have the ability to be just that. All you need to know is written in the Bible. Jesus is coming back. And while you can't know exactly when that's happening, the fact remains it is going to happen. Get ready now and do all that you can to help others get ready too. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Revelation chapter 4 as he continues his message, The Rapture. The Apostle Paul tells us in the New Testament there was this mystery that was not revealed to the Old Testament believers or the Old Testament prophets. It's called the church age, where because of Israel as a nation, they rejected their Messiah, and now God has opened up the spiritual blessings that come through a Jewish Messiah to a Gentile world. And now it's primarily the Gentile church that's driving the gospel around the world. But God knew that would happen. It's called the church age. And from the Messiah being cut off at the cross and Israel as a whole rejecting their Messiah and now Gentiles being grafted in spiritually to Israel, and I'm so thankful for that, I'm a Gentile. And for this undisclosed period of time, the church age, until the final seven. And again, I believe the final seven begins when the church is raptured. But there are some challenges. (laughs) There are some challenges. What what do you mean? Well, well, you go to 1 Thessalonians again, and now you back up to chapter 4. And the most popular passage on the rapture of the church. Chapter 4, verse 13. Brothers, uh, we don't want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep, physically die, or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him, because they're in heaven. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, that's his second coming, When he stands upon the Mount of Olives, 
will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. Now, me as a pre-tribber, I find a way, based on the other verses I gave you, to, to say that there's a second coming, Mount of Olives, but before the second coming, there's a rapture of the church where he takes us home, he comes in the clouds. And I got some verses that cause me to believe that. But the trumpet mentioned here, the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. You take that scripture, despite what I believe, and you match it up with passages like 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If you're turning, if you find it, go all the way to near the end of the chapter, verse 50. Here's what it says. Paul writes, I declare to you, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We'll not all sleep, but we'll all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. There's the rub. What last trumpet? God said to me after last service, God showed me a few years ago, there are two trumpets, one for the rapture, one for the end. The last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed, which is what 1 Thessalonians says. When is the question? And you have people that match up scriptures like 1 Corinthians 15 and 1 Thessalonians 4, and you see they are not pre-tribbers. Uh, we know the Lord. We love the Lord. We're brothers, sisters in the Lord, but we see it differently. And they are, believe it or not, post-tribbers. They believe the church goes through the entire tribulation period and that, uh, that the rapture takes place almost simultaneous with the second coming. They believe we go through all of the tribulation. And that's not my view. That's what they believe. And since you're so alert, since you're paying attention, go with me to well, even before, let me give you some other scriptures. For the sake of time, Revelation eleven fifteen, Revelation 13, 7, Daniel 7, 21. I know I gave it to you very fast. You can't write that fast. Those scriptures show us the Antichrist and Satan conquering the saints, and he's after the saints during the tribulation period. Another set of verses that go with the post-tribbers. But now, with that said, go with me to Revelation chapter 12. Revelation chapter 12. And the context of Revelation chapter 12 is Israel, depicted as a woman, gives birth to a male child, Christ. He's caught up to heaven. That's the ascension after the cross and the resurrection. And then it says in verse 6, the woman, Israel, fled into the desert to a place prepared for her by God, where she might be taken care of for 1,260 days, or roughly three and a half years. This is during the tribulation period where God sovereignly takes care of Israel because the devil's after her. He hates Israel. Always has, always will. You jump down chapter 12, 
verse 13, when the dragon, that's the devil, saw that he had been hurled to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. The woman was given two wings of a great eagle so that she might fly to the place prepared for her in the desert where she would be taken care of for a time, time, and a half a time. That's three and a half years out of the serpent's reach. Well, because God sovereignly is taking care of Israel during this period, then the devil gets even more mad. Look at verse 17. Then the dragon was enraged at the woman and went off to make war against the rest of her offspring, those who obey God's commandments and hold to the testimony of Jesus. Wow. You have verses like these. You go back to Revelation chapter 11, verse 3. Two special witnesses during the tribulation period. And God says, I'll give power to my two witnesses and they will prophesy for 1,260 days. Roughly three and a half years. Revelation chapter 13, verse 5. The beast, Antichrist, was given a mouth to utter proud words, blasphemies, and to exercise his authority for 42 months. You match those scriptures up with scriptures like Daniel chapter 7. I told you, Bible study, pay attention. Daniel chapter 7, if I can find it. And verse 25, he, Antichrist, will speak against the Most High and oppress his saints during the tribulation and try to change the set times and the laws. The saints will be handed over to him for a time, times, and a half a time. Three and a half years. One more. A couple of people yawning. Okay, come on, come on. Daniel chapter 12. In Daniel chapter 12, the context you'll find in verse 2, multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. This is the end. Verse 6. One of them said to the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the river, this angel, how long will it be before these astonishing things are fulfilled? And the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the river lifted his right hand and his left hand toward heaven, and I heard him swear by him who lives forever, saying, it'll be for a time, times, and half a time, three and a half years. What's the point? You have verses like these, and there are Christians who love the Lord, part of the church, and they are called mid-tribbers, and they believe that the rapture takes place in the middle of the tribulation period. So you got pre-tribbers, those who are right. You got post-tribbers, those who are wrong. You got mid-tribbers who I'm going, they got some good arguments there. Because you are paying such great attention. Um, A few years ago, a man named Marv Rosenthal, Jewish believer, came up with what's called the pre-wrath view. And the pre-wrath view says, we don't know exactly when during that seven-year tribulation period, but we know it's before the wrath of God really begins to fall, which I take issue with because the wrath begins to fall as soon as Jesus begins to unleash the seals. But they have some verses Pretty good verses. My wife read Marv Rosenthal's book years ago, shared his findings with me so I didn't have to read the book. 
And he had some good things to say and some scriptures. You just go, wow, yeah, yeah. And so here's the deal. It appears to me that God has put scriptures in the Bible to cause people to have all these different views. And which one is right? Good question. Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. Verse 36. Most important part right here. Most important part right here. You to go to sleep on me now, I'll just let you sleep while I keep talking. Verse 36. No one knows about that day or hour. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For as in the days of Noah, before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying, giving in marriage. Up to the day Noah entered the ark, and they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. What? How could they not know? He's been preaching to them for 120 years. They didn't pay attention. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field, one will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding with a hand mill, one will be taken, the other left. Luke says two will be in the bed, one will be taken, the other left. That's a husband, a wife, one's saved, one's not saved. Therefore, because nobody really knows the exact timing, therefore, keep watch. Don't fall asleep because you do not know on what day. Your Lord will come. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watching, but would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come in an hour. You do not expect him. Here's the truth of the Scriptures. In light of the rapture of the church, because even if you don't believe, well, How can you not believe in the rapture? There is going to be a rapture. The question is when. But when all is said and done, no matter where you land, there's one more group out there, and their view is called the pan view. They're like, I'm not pre-trib, I'm not post-trib, I'm not mid-trib, I'm not pre-wrath. As a matter of fact, I haven't really studied it. It's going to all pan out in the end. And ultimately, it doesn't matter what view you have because he's going to come when we don't expect him. And the trumpet's going to sound when we don't expect it. So you won't have time to get ready. You have to be ready. In the last 10 minutes I have, that's the question. That's the most important question. Are you ready? How do I know if I'm ready? Well, since you're in Matthew 24... Just look at verse 45. He begins to tell us, who then is the faithful and wise servant whom the master has put in charge of the servants in his household to give them their food at the proper time? It'll be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. I tell you the truth, he'll put him in charge of all his possessions. But suppose that servant is wicked and says to himself, my master's staying away a long time. And he then begins to beat his fellow servants to eat and drink with drunkards. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and in an hour he is not aware of. He'll cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites. Will there be weeping and gnashing of teeth? You want to open up another can of worms? Either this person had never been saved or they lost their salvation. 
Oh, we don't want to get into that one today. But listen, the the emphasis of Scripture on that one is not whether you can lose it, but do you have it? Examine yourselves to see if you're in the faith. And there's Scriptures on both sides of that one. I wonder why. So that you don't take for granted that you walked down an aisle when you were 10 years old. You've been living like hell ever since. Oh, you lived for Jesus for a week. Do you have it? And if you do, are you ready? Because if you don't have it, you ain't ready. You live in party mode. That's the way I summarize that. You live party mode, you're not ready. But this is not the only scripture that tells us how to be ready. I mean, my goodness, you go back to the, the number one passage and the context of it in 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians. And notice what he says in chapter 5 after he gives us the passage about the rapture. He says, and our brothers, about times and dates, we don't need to write to you. You know very well the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers, you, sisters, you're not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You're all sons of the light, sons of the day. We don't belong to the night or to the darkness. So then let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be alert. Self-controlled. For those who sleep, sleep at night. Those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled, putting on faith. Love is a breastplate. The hope of salvation is a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us, so that whether we're awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you're doing. I do wish I had more time on this, but I can give you the three points that God gave me out of that passage on how to be ready, how to be ready. And they're fairly simple to understand. Be self-controlled. If you haven't discovered the Christian life is a daily saying no to what you want to do and yes to what he wants you to do and saying no to the short skirt and the low blouse and the billboard and the computer screen and all the stuff out there that bombards us daily, and it's a daily saying no to myself and developing and maintaining the kind of self-control that if he comes today, I'm ready. The Christian life is a life of self-control and self-denial. The second thing he says in terms of being ready, be alert. My mind, my heart went to Colossians chapter 3. Set your minds on things above. Set your hearts on things above. That's where your life is. Christ, who is your life, is going to come. And you'll appear with him in glory. I went to Philippians chapter 3. Paul says, take note of those who live as the way we live. In other words, we're examples for you. He wasn't perfect, but he was a godly man. He was a committed man. Take note of those who are like us. And then he says, he writes there in the middle of that chapter, and he says, I, I say with tears. Many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their God is their stomach. They're just looking to satisfy themselves and satisfy their flesh. Their glory is in their shame. Their life is a shame. They're not living lives. They're pleasing to the Lord. Take note of those who are like us and don't be like those who aren't. And then he goes on to say, we're eagerly looking forward to a Savior 
and he's coming for us. Be self-controlled, be alert. Every day, get your head in the clouds. Every day, every day. This is not my home. I'm passing through. I have responsibility here, but my greatest responsibility here is to live for him. Be self-controlled. Be alert. Be alert. Be alert. Keep your head in the clouds. And the third thing he says there is so practical. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up. I'm just like you. I need those days when my brother and the Lord will encourage me. You know when that's happening for me more often, regularly, weekly? You know when that's happening? Wednesday night. I'm loving Wednesday night. The women's discipleship ministry, the men's discipleship ministry, the small groups we're a part of. You'll be glad to know I got three minutes left that I can talk to you about this for a moment. I typed in my notes on this point about encouraging one another and about Wednesday night especially. Now, not everything is wrapped. Some of you I know, some of you guys, some of you guys cannot be at Wednesday night. But I'm not talking about the guys and the gals that can't be at Wednesday night. Discipleship ministry. And I wrote in here, just an honest question, I wrote, I typed in my notes, um, do you really have a good excuse? Do you really have a good excuse? But I mistyped it. And when I went back and looked at my notes uh, in preparation yesterday, I noticed I mistyped it and I misspelled a word. And guess what I typed? Here's what I typed. I said, do you really have a God excuse? And I stopped and started thinking about it. I said, ooh, that might have been a mistake. Blessed by heaven. Do you really have a God excuse? I need other guys in my life. We all need one another. Listen, there's the pre-trib view, view, there's the post-trib view, there's the mid-trib view, there's the pre-wrath view, and then there's the guys going, ah, it'll all pan out. And there must be verses in here to cause different people to have different views. But what's essential, what's essential is not the particular view you have on when the rapture takes place and even when Jesus is coming back. The most essential thing is to realize no matter what I got down scripturally, he's going to come when I don't expect him. That's what he said. So I won't have time to get ready. I got to be ready. Don't answer out loud. Don't raise your hand. Are you ready? Are you ready? If the trumpet were to sound today, if like, like John, he didn't see it coming, and all of a sudden he heard this trumpet, come up here. I'm like, wow. What a trip that's going to be when it happens, man. Ooh. Before you get to the clouds, you get hair, if you have none. I mean, your 80-year-old body turns into a 30-year-old body or whatever it is. I don't know. All of a sudden, we're changed. We're going to be the mortal, the mortal takes on immortality. You know what we have to look forward to? So why in the world are we messing around in this life? I want to every day get my head in the clouds, say no to my flesh, Develop and maintain self-control. And get in relationships, men and women, men and women, get in relationships that we can encourage one another 
because we're not going to get caught up here. We want to be caught up there. Today on The Living Word, Pastor Danny Hodges has been teaching through a series from the book of Revelation. Though deemed as a bit daunting, Revelation is actually full of so much hope. It's not just about judgment. It's about Jesus. It's about the hope that we have in Him because He wins. He defeats darkness and makes all things new. What hope we have in the light of the world. Here at The Living Word, we understand how strange this must seem to those who don't know Christ, but what better way for them to experience Him than through you? We pray that you keep tuning in to this series to learn the truth that's revealed in God's Word. We also pray that as you grow in Him, the people around you will come to know Jesus as well in a profound way. Would you also be willing to pray for us here at The Living Word? As our ministry grows, we want to make sure that we're seeking Jesus first and foremost. We're constantly in need of His guidance, so please pray that we would recognize His voice and His direction. Thanks so much for praying about this. Before we leave you today, if you live in or near the St. Petersburg area, all of us at Calvary Chapel Fellowship would love to have you come join us for one of our weekend services. Just go to ccfstpete.church and get directions and service times. Again, that's ccfstpete.church. Thanks for joining us today on The Living Word.